self-care is not in looking back, it's in looking forward. And when I look back, darkness comes in and it creeps in in every way. And yet when I'm in the present moment, there is always light because I am here. I am still here. episode 17 of the self-care sunday podcast a minimalist media project by kaylee reed every sunday only on sundays i'll release a new podcast episode exploring topics like mental health entrepreneurship social media and of course self-care we're putting women at the center of our media and behind the creation of it and today's episode is part two with kate spear a good friend, a mental health advocate, and the CEO of The Doggist. You can find her on Instagram at positively.kate. She is the dog mom of Instagram famous at Waffle Nugget. (laughs) And as the newly appointed CEO of The Doggist, her life is really cool right now. So if you haven't already listened to the first episode with Kate, definitely go back to episode number 16, which is part one of this series and take a listen to her story. We go pretty deep into her mental health journey and how she, how she got to where she is now. And this episode is a little bit lighter, but we talk a little bit more about her day-to-day life now, what it's like to be the CEO of The Doggist, and how she manages her own self-care on a day-to-day basis. So stay tuned, and let's get into the episode. Kate, are you ready for part two? I am so thrilled for part two. Let's let out the dork. Let's let it out. Oh, yeah. I love it. So it was interesting because when we hung up the last time, both of us were kind of like, hmm, that was a really heavy episode. And it was so good. And I, I love your story. And I love that you give me the opportunity to tell your story. But there's so much more to who Kate is than just your mental health story. And so... This part two is going to be a little bit about Kate, and we're going to talk about (laughs) self-care. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you for honoring me with the opportunity to tell the other side, because I think it's so easy for the story to just end there, and for a lot of people, that is where the story ends. So I think Mm -hmm. it's it's really generous of you to give me the opportunity to speak to kind of the other little other little fun parts. So where do you want to start? Yeah, I mean, I actually think starting at the end of that episode and talking about what I do to recover from from such a thing like that is actually a really great place to start. Um, after we had our conversation, and like, I love Daily, like, I obviously love her, she's my boo. I literally, I like, I had to go to bed. Like, I couldn't even, one of my, one of my most proud tenants of self-care is actually gratitude and yeah I couldn't write a thank you text a thank you note over Instagram like I just I literally passed out and I think that is just a really important thing to put out there it's just that reality that talking about the heavier stuff is still hard and I think it'll always be hard and I think the most important aspect is nurturing that reality and so I just want to show up and say if you would have taken that back to Heck yeah, you did, and heck yeah, you deserved it, because that was exhausting, (laughs) and um, I'm all for Sneasel Town. Anytime, any day, anywhere, I'm all for Sneasel Town. So I just want to start with that, that if you all needed a nap, so did I, and 
I'm, I'm happy we're back for round two, and hopefully there can be a lot more levity, which is what my life actually looks like these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, our stories are heavy, and they they do carry so much weight, and we feel so much emotions telling them, even when it's five or ten years looking back in retrospect. So let's get let's get into some lighter stuff. Let's talk about your day to day now and kind of what the self care is that you do in your day to day to maintain your positive self. Absolutely. So I think the first thing, and this is an interesting one that I do for me, is I just show up as I am. I don't filter. I try not to, at least apologize. I just I'm me, and I, that took a lot of practice. But I think that freedom of self, that freedom of narrative, that freedom of just being like, yep, I'm crying right now, or yep, I'm hysterical and peeing my pants and holding my crotch in a business meeting. Yep, that's Kate Spear. And that is just a huge aspect of self-care, the truth to self, that believing in the inner being that we are and raising that up and saying, that's worthy, that's worthy. That for me is a huge act of self-care. So that just happens on a daily basis. And anytime I find myself... Um, kind of getting into the headspace of doubt or being like, is that okay? Or is that not okay? Or was that right? Little anxious demons that always sit up on my shoulder. I'm like, you know what? Let me get outside with my dog. You guys all know waffles is a huge part of my life. And for me, it's basically showing up as I am. And when I can't or I start doubting that self, just reconnecting with my body and this place with gratitude. I'm a big proponent for whatever rolls with the day. Right now I'm actually sitting in a forest stealing my neighbor's Wi-Fi. Waffle is rolling in feces, classic, <laughs> and just enjoying the view. And sometimes a change of setting is just what I need. Um, and then there are other days where I'll just go on a TV binge and there are other days where I'm running. But I think the common thread is listening to my body and respecting that to the extent that I need it to be respected. So yeah, it's kind of the general self-care vibe that I try to uphold. What do you do when you hit a roadblock and you maybe don't want to give in to what your body wants, but you know that you have to? Actually, that's a, that's a wonderful question and actually really timely. So this week, I had some of the worst symptoms I've had in probably two years. I was just blindsided. And I'm running a company now. I don't have the luxury of just ducking out. I worked beautifully in startups for a number of years that were super flexible with what I need and when I need to respect my self-care. But this is a time where when I'm talking to J. Crew, I'm talking to J. Crew. They've carved out time and I respect that. So in certain instances like that, I really lean on routine. I lean on a ton and not to the extent of like obsessive qualities of exercise or eating or any such thing like that. It's much more a matter of building structure and building self-care into my days. So when I hit a roadblock, the first thing I do is I actually look at my calendar and I say, hey, what's up? What is necessary? And what is not necessary and I just slow it down and so I write out a list the first thing I always do is I write out a list of all the things I have to get done and I get out my like hot pink highlighter and hot pink means it's gotta happen it's on fire and then I build only the hot pink into my calendar with self-care built into my next day and if at all possible that afternoon and I find that to be the most effective is to really prioritize and understand what has a deadline what's critical and then what maybe can slide to a Saturday afternoon? I spent actually this entire morning working because this week I didn't get as much done. And 
And that fluidity based on need and deadlines that actually have to be met is critical. So a lot about it is building that structure and that list and being really thoughtful. And what I actually find is as soon as I have the list and I'm like, oh, there's only two things in hot pink, oh, I'm fine. And then my anxiety subsides, the symptoms subside, I feel a lot better. And yes, I have the self-care buffer that actually benefits me later on. And yet, because the anxiety has been appeased by way of me building a thoughtful schedule forward, I'm just more equipped to handle the stress and whatever tasks are at hand. Mm -hmm. Wow, I do almost the exact same thing. (laughs) So it's so important. And I think I think one of the things that is so interesting is that in none of my jobs prior was I ever told, hey, put that lunch on your calendar. (laughs) So I actually I have like literally so my nickname as a child was Katie Dumpling um the real rumple dumple and I literally have a can uh, calendar in my my work email that's called the real rumple dumple in order for me to be the awesome Kate Spear I also have to be true to the real rumple dumple and so what do you know like there's queen dork and like I build in waffle walks and I build in my exercise and I build in my meditation and I build in time with friends and I I just I find that once I build it in, all the pressure just just dissipates and the anxiety is so much lighter. So it's been really effective. How does that work for you, Kaylee? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was actually having this conversation with another friend earlier this week around self-care and and to-do lists and feeling she was feeling so overwhelmed with everything that she had to do. And I was like, well, are you taking time for self-care and all of this too? And she's like, no, I don't have time for self-care. And I was like, put it on your to-do list. If you schedule it in, you're making it a priority. If you don't, you're, you're telling yourself, this is not important to me. And in order to get all of those things done, you need to take care of yourself. And so that's literally what I do as well. I'll, I'll have my to-do list. I have like a weekly to-do list and then I have a daily to-do list. And my days... I put like three stars, only three things get three stars every day. And if something is three stars, that's, that has to get done that day. Everything else, it's like, if you get it done, sweet. If you don't, it rolls over. The next day I'm putting those three stars on three new tasks that need to get done that day and everything else, it's okay. Like the world is not going to light on fire if you don't respond to every email in your inbox. (laughs) Totally. Yes, it's this artificial urgency. And I think I think one of the things that I remind myself often is I don't have time to not self-care. Mm. I, I need sustainable energy. I need sustainability of brain power, of enthusiasm, of creativity. And in order to have those things, which are so required, I have to build in self-care. It's just, it's paramount to the ability but just to the ability of everything to function. Oh my gosh, Waffle made a new friend. A classic. What is he friends? Or what is she friends with right now? There are two labs who have somehow oh. arrived as I'm on the phone, classically. Um, oh my gosh. And, and that again, if you want to talk another aspect of self-care, I'm just going to exclude myself from the doggy brigade. <laughs> um, my job, actually, one of the reasons I'm so thrilled about it, naturally builds in self-care. I spend my day with jobs. So I think one of the things that I've often, a lot of people are like, what, how do you know how to get a job? How do you know, like, how is it right? How is it, is it the best fit? And only recently at this new job at the Doggist have I realized this is the one for me because it naturally fits self-care into 
the task. My task is to talk to people who I'm energized by. My task is to snuggle puppies. And I know that's an incredible privilege, so don't get me wrong. I'm sorry, privy to that fact. But I think thinking really thoughtfully about self-care and what works for you and then looking for a job that allows you to do some of that on the job is actually really beneficial. So I think for me, that's, that's another benefit that I'm just blessed by is that just natural, um, beautiful mutualism that works there. It's like, oh, I have to go hiking with the Orvis team. Okay, well, that's, guess what? My job and also hiking is one of my greatest acts to kind of bring me down, calm me, ground me, and give me a better head on my shoulders. Yes. Yeah, totally. I This was a conscious decision that I made as well this year when I decided to jump into the whole freelance consulting world. And one of the reasons why I wanted to work from home and be super flexible with my work was to spend more time with Rose, who is my biggest self-care. And it's funny because like now my job, I'm working from my couch, cuddling Rose all day. And yes, I'm working and doing emails, but I'm also getting in that self-care at the same time. So being able to combine things that you love in your work, if it's possible, is it's like one of the best things that I've done for myself. Totally. And then the stamina changes and the relationship to the work. I think no aspect of every job is fun. And I think people brainwashed me as a child thinking like you'd find this one thing that was Mm. absolutely perfect. Like, I don't love my time in QuickBooks. Is it necessary? Absolutely. Is it validating? Absolutely. Is it paramount to the success of my business? Gosh darn it is. (laughs) And do I love it? Do I want to do that all day, every day? Crunching numbers and reporting? Probably not. No, that is not my self-care. And yet... I think having that expectation that there's going to be some hard stuff and some stuff that is joyful, that also helps. So I think one of the other dynamics that I find so beneficial to my self-care is outlook. I don't expect to have a good day. I expect to have a crummy day. And then everything else is sugar on top instead of everything was already expected. And that gives way to gratitude and gives way to presence. And it also gives way to this feeling of like, oh, my life is a gift instead of oh, this was just just expected. This was just supposed to happen. I was supposed to have beautiful weather and a great job and, like, no health problems today. <laughs> That's not normal. That's not normal. But we live in the world that teaches us that. So if instead we live in the world where we're like, today's going to be hard, then everything is, I've rose to the challenge. I've rose to the challenge. I've rose to the challenge and succeeded. And that reframing of narrative is so palpable and powerful on so many levels. Mm-hmm. I was listening to another podcast this week and she was talking about this concept that we're kind of fed as a narrative as children and throughout high school and in university of like do the thing that you love and you'll never work a day in your life blah 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 (laughs) and and what she was reframing it as is like don't try don't don't see it that way don't see it as like oh if you do the thing you love you'll never work a day in your life because there's in everything even if you love it In everything, there's challenges, there's obstacles, there's things that you don't like, there's things that you'll get bored of. What she said was, do the thing that you love so much, you're willing to fail and sacrifice and go through those challenges for. Recognizing that there's like ups and downs in everything. And if you have that perspective and that 
expectation that yes, there's going to be some hard things in this. And yes, I'm not going to love every aspect of this, but this is a thing I'm so passionate about that I want to do it despite of those things. That's when you find that, that balance and that happiness. Totally. It's the, it's worth it. It's, it's the end of the day being like, that was worth it. And I think, I think, I think that's spot on. I totally, I can relate to that. And I think one of the other things that I actually find helps is just don't take it so seriously. It's one day of your life. I'm a dork. Humans are weird. Actually, everyone is weird and quirky and funky and they're, they're ready to get out their weird tiger self. And it's, it's under that surface. And so, you know, if something goes wrong, like I'll be on the phone call and I'll say something totally outlandish and I'll be like, oops, that was my dork coming out. My apologies. And then we all laugh because I think finding that commonality and humor just is another way to just be reminded that like things do get hard, things do get messy, things aren't the way they are. But when we laugh about it and are reminded that it's worth it, those are enough things to make it through. Yes. Is Waffle still playing with a dog right now? Waffle is upside down eating a stick because <laughs> she's really special. I mean, I think that's the other thing is, I mean, find a, a companion and it doesn't have to be an animal. I know both of us. We have, like, Rose and Waffle, and we're just, yay, we've got our little babes. And, you know, whether it's a human who brings out that silliness or that love, find that companionship. And this echoes, you know, what I said last week about if I'm not your person. Like, I don't care if I'm not your person. I just care that you have a person. And I think one of the greatest things about finding that person is finding someone who lights the humor in your belly. Like, there are those people who give you belly laughs. And Waffle, for me, is that person. So, you know, if I'm having a rough day, I just go outside. And, like, the first thing she'll do is probably roll in someone's vomit. And, like, there's nothing to do in a situation like that other than laugh. Like, okay, of course you rolled in the vomit. Of course I have a call, you know, with, like, the Amazon people in five minutes. And you're covered in vomit. Great. Like, this is so classic. And yet, when, when you add that levity, whomever that companion that provides it, there's just so much more possibility. Um, and I think that's something that even in the wake of depression, I'm able to find with Waffle is like, she's just always a dork and I'm always a dork. And no matter the scope of my day, the breath of darkness in my soul, I always find humor in just this unapologetic beast who could give two fooks about what anyone is thinking. <laughs> you know, like, okay, what? you're right. This world is silly. I was just going to say, I love how I love how silly you are. And you're so right when you say that everybody is weird and everybody has weirdness in them. Some people are just more upfront about it and more open about their weirdness with the world. One thing I wish is that more people were weird in business, to be honest. Me too. Oh, gosh. Like, let's, let's stop with the, as per my last email, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm slowly breaking people in. I sent, I think, gosh, there, I don't know what the email was. It was like two weeks ago, and it was the end of a day. It was like 7.30. It was, you know, the end of like probably an 11-hour day. And I was like, with epic tail wags and all the drool, Kate. And like, you know, and I got back the most human kind response. And they were like, I've never read a sign-off like that. And, <laughs> and we would love to work you, with you just because of that sign-off. And, you know, and yes, that was a risk. Absolutely a risk. And yet, everyone's craving it. Everyone is craving a little bit of the goof factor. And I think that's 
the one thing that I get, and again, I know I'm privileged enough to have a job and people who love me as I am and that stability of income and housing and food on my table. So I do have that privilege to be as unapologetically ridiculous as I am. The openness, uh, the openness. And you're so right. We crave it. I mean, social media, yes, but I think that conversation is a little bit overdone. It's like, of course we crave authenticity in social media, but when it comes to business, man, I crave, I crave those emails where people say silly things or they actually treat you like a human rather than a copy paste, you know? And it's like, hello, do you forget that public relations is built on relationships and that the best way to do business with someone is like, if you genuinely, genuinely have a relationship with them, like, I don't know why, I don't know why we've gotten to this state where it is so cold and to find those people with the warmth like you, like, I, man, why don't we have more of that in business? <laughs> why not? Well, I don't know if we want more me cause I'm a spaz, but I mean, I think having just, I think what we need is more people to be their own versions. I think, I think part of it is we live in a society that's really, really, Oh, it's just, it's so built on fallacy. It's just so notably built on a presentation, an image, a projection that's not ourselves. And I think what that does is that breeds these feelings of endless vulnerability um, because we're projecting something, we're not being, we're, if and when we're loved for that, we further invalidate the self that's really inside. And I just, I don't know, I think, I think it also takes a lot of courage. And I think, I think, again, I'll go back to the reality that there's a lot of privilege that I have to be able to have shown up and be loved as I am. Mm. And I think a lot of people think my humor or my goofiness is actually a denial of that. Like, people are always like, oh, Kate, stop joking around. I'm like, no, that's actually my real humanity. It's when I get all serious that I'm not me. Hmm. That's when you've, you've lost Kate. I want to ask a fun question. Yes, go, go. <laughs> what go. are... All the philosophy coming out of my brain. Zip it! we're balancing we're balancing some both we're doing some serious and some fun in this episode (laughs) um okay what are some of the weirdest or nerdiest things that you like to do or that you treasure that you have as hobbies or like guilty pleasures okay first of all guilty I totally get it. We always throw that out there, but I don't feel guilt about my pleasure. My pleasure is mine. But for a really long time, I did. So I, I, I think it's important to address that. Okay, so the first thing that I used to like get practically high off of was the data behind Waffle Nugget. So back when Instagram didn't have insights and back before Sprout Social and all of the applications launched and kept track of our analytics for us, I had a spreadsheet and I literally checked what my baby puppy was doing on the interweb. And I would just be like, all right, you've got this many likes and that was posted at 7.15. So I'm going to try 7.17 because there seems to be a boost between 7.15 and 7.30. And I'm not sure like which is better. And so that nerd component, that's real. I, I don't love spreadsheets anywhere near as much as I love the great outdoors. But yeah, there's an obsession with the data behind engagement and just the science behind all that we do like oh why do we do certain things 
I think that same thing goes for me reading psych journals. Like I wake up and I have a Google search about psych journals because I want to know the most recent stuff. So I, I'm a proud nerd. Um, I think information is power. So that's definitely one. I love docking style, but my favorite thing to wear are yoga pants and spandex. So like I probably have the fanciest closet, but I don't wear it ever. So it's definitely like something I do is I track style trends. Like I'll be like, okay, so I need that bag and I need this. And it's this incredible obsession with high-end fashion and design that is unfathomably overpriced um but I think probably the nerdiest thing I do is I literally keep track of all of my spending so I'm a bargainer and by that I don't mean that like I bargain shop although I totally thrift shop I mean like I get a jacket and then I'll sell it on eBay or a consignment store and I'll be like okay so I have a hundred dollars so now I'm going to spend it in these five ways and I my goal is always to be at a net zero so I have this endless obsession with being net zero in my closet and again I never wear any of his clothes these clothes usually all have tags on them maybe I wear them to a wedding and then sell them but I mostly just wear spandex I think that's one of the most ridiculous things about me is that I'm net zero I shop and sell more clothes than anyone I know and 99 out of 100 times you'll find me as I am right now wearing sneakers knee socks that are meant for soccer and like ridiculous patterned spandex Oh, I didn't know that about you. Yeah, it's, I'm, like, really into it. It's very obsessive. Is it, like, um, the act of shopping that you enjoy? So I don't – it's the – I think it's – so I think it's wearable art. I'm really obsessed with wearable art. I think style for me has always been something that gives way to personality. And I think – interestingly, I think there's some urgent in my eating disorder that I never wear this stuff. And my doctor and I are working on it right now. And yet, I just, I think there's something, like, I just, I obsess over style blogs. I obsess over design blogs. And the same thing goes for interiors of houses. I will be the first to, when I get my new house, like, I will go batch bananas on it. Because, you know, I want the Herman Miller, and I want this, but I want it affordably, but I want it consigned, because I don't want to hurt the environment. And it's this weird duality of all of the things that make me me convalescing in this obsession with art whether it's in the home form or on the person form or even in a web form anyways we were just talking about it It was like I so want to be all that I am and unapologetic and yet I'm still obsessed over how to filter my photos and how to post process and it's this weird duality of self where I nurture that self-care like I allow myself to purchase nice things and I allow my house to look certain ways and yet I don't take it outside the home because that's not true to who I am right now. And maybe at some point it will be. Um, but right now it's like, I bet out to be me and me is wearing ridiculous outfits, not like beautiful black suits. And yet maybe that day will come. And then the true me will wear a black suit, maybe pink sneakers, but (laughs) I loved what you said about not feeling guilty about your pleasures, but also I think around this idea of not feeling guilty when you're not okay 100% of the time like just because you look at your Instagram feed and you think oh my gosh it's not aesthetic enough Uh, how do I refilter these photos Kaylee help me (laughs) for you to just for you to own that and still say okay but like that's okay I'm not gonna let that affect everything in my life or my entire mood or whatever totally 
I think one of the things, if I could teach the world anything about self-care, it would be let the mess in. Mm. Just let it be uncomfortable because life is uncomfortable. And when we accept that it's uncomfortable, it stops feeling disastrous and just becomes the status quo. My life is messy. I mean, Waffle just literally rolled in mud. Like, she, I don't know where she went, but she's head to toe covered in mud. <laughs> I have an all-white home. Like, life is messy. Life is that. And I can... I can either scold her and teach her to, you know, be like the dog in um, As Good As It Gets, who doesn't step on the cracks, or I could say, yeah, girl, you get muddy, you get messy, you do you. And I think I think my allowance of the mess, my allowance of the coexistence of contrary forces, my allowance of, like, yeah, go ahead, like, buy a fancy, you know, dress, <laughs> and then show up wearing, like, my old shorts from literally college that are ripped, like, that's totally standard, and I think, I think that's this whole idea that we don't fit in the boxes, that we are full of light and shadow, that we are full of all these contrasting forces, and I think the real courage is when you show up in that mess, and you say, yeah, that's me, and that's enough. It's not perfect, it's not beautiful, it's just enough. There is so much power in just letting yourself do the things and say the things that you want to do and say and not pressuring yourself or guilting yourself for what should be. Totally. Oh gosh. Yeah. And I think, I think it's really important to note that to get to where I'm at, this quality of unapologetic humanity that I so proudly show up in, this was not like, it didn't just naturally just happen. I didn't one day wake up and was like, yeah, let me jiggle for joy on the internet. Like what up granny panties? I was so ashamed of granny panties for so long. I spent so much time trying to fit my body into weird forms and shrink it and literally make it look right and get that perfectly messy, but not messy, but messy, but still beautiful bobby pin twist. I mean, that was me for years. I just, it takes gentle steps. I think that's the other thing. It's like, you don't get zero to a hundred overnight. It takes gentle steps. And I still, I'm still... I'm still doing gentle steps every day. You know, today is another gentle step. I'm writing emails. I'm walking instead of running. I'm, I'm listening to my need to be gentle. Mm-hmm. I'm like dorking on the phone. And I'll probably, <laughs> and I'll probably, you know, like the truth is I'll probably look back and be like, oh my God, I was way too serious. And oh, I wasn't dorky enough. And yet, you know what? That's just me showing up right now. And these are the moods you get me in. And when you get me in that mood, that's what you get. And I have to also practice that acceptance. It's a, it's a constant practice. I think that's really important for people to hear and for me to hear is that it is a constant practice and you don't just wake up one day and are a perfectionist at self-care and can show up really unapologetically in everything in your life. Um, There's such a process that it takes to get to a place where you feel comfortable enough to prioritize self-care, where you feel comfortable enough to talk about certain things in a certain way, what would be, I mean, oh man, I don't want to get too serious here again, but, <laughs> but for don't some, worry. let's be real, it's just my way, <laughs> but for, I'll find you on the internet and I'll realize I'm a dork, so it's like, they'll be like, okay, who is that serious, oh yeah, it's the one I'm naked with her dog, pumping her. Which is what Waffle's doing right now. That's that's great. I love that snapshot of where you're at right now. Um, But, you know, people, people, I I say people and I think my younger self. 
my younger self would listen to this and she would think, okay, but how do I, how, how do I get there, Kaylee? How do I get there, Kate? I, I can't show up unapologetically right now. How can you, why, why can you, and why not me? What do you say to that girl? Be patient. Take, take it one step at a time. I think it's, it's that slowness. It's that practice and it's cultivating a practice that works for you. I think one of the words I'm trying to focus a lot on right now is the act of sustainability within myself, sustainable practices, sustainable days, a sustainability of humanity. And I think that's completely cultivated in brave yet gentle steps forward, brave yet gentle. And those aren't actually contrary. You know, the first time I took like that brave step forward, like I really, and again, like my TED talk will come out once and you'll be like, yeah, that brave step you took forward was when you shit yourself in your diapers. And they'll be like, yeah, that, that did happen. (laughs) And yet like the real brave step I took forward was when a friend from high school came over to dinner and she asked me what my last four years were like. And instead of lying and making up a story, which I had perfected, I perfected lies for about five years to my family, to my friends about how well I was when I was disastrously unwell. Um, I said, I didn't include details. I just said, yeah, those years were hard. And she said back, wow, I'm so sorry. You don't have to talk about it if you want to, but I'm here to listen if you do. And that step, that acknowledgement of pain, that acknowledgement of hardship, put myself out there. Yes, it did. It, it, it literally felt like I was walking out on a ledge of the Grand Canyon about to plummet to my desk. It terrified every fiber of my being. And it was a gentle step because it wasn't telling my whole truth. It wasn't saying, oh, I've been hospitalized. Oh, I had a misdiagnosis. Oh, I've hallucinated. Oh, there was this, that, and the other atrocious, painful, traumatic event. It was merely the expression of pain. And I think that's one brave yet gentle step. And I think the next day I took it one step further and I told her a little bit more. And then a little bit more. And I think there's this assumption that you have to go all in. That once you start showing up as yourself, you have to show all of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's a fallacy. You show up piece by piece. It's not one bomb that goes off where yourself just explodes in color across the wall. No, it's not a paintball. It's just like, boom, there's the mural of boldness, of raw truth and pain and everything. It's... It's literally one stroke at a time. And you're like, here's, I'm going to paint in red today. I'm going to put one brush stroke and I'm going to put it out to the world. Oh my gosh. That was the best visual ever. The best. I'm, I'm going to use that now. And you are an amazing, you're an amazing storyteller. You're an amazing photographer. You are a writer. You do so many things. You're now... Can I like pop? Well, yeah. This yeah, this yeah, this episode yeah. will be like live by the time you're talking about yeah. this. But you're now the CEO of the Doggist. Like, let's talk about the cool things happening in your life and how I don't know how you've manifested all of this awesomeness through being yourself. You know, <laughs> am I gonna start weeping? I'm weeping. You made no, me weep. <laughs> no. no. Gratitude, tears. 
Gratitude tears. Um, how did I, I don't know. I think um, I am so blessed. Uh, I think it's, you know, obviously, again, I bring this up a lot, but the people who are offended by it are those who have privilege. It's like a lot of it is the privilege. It's the privilege of having access to services and having parents who paid for my treatment. So that, I think, is a really important thing to always note. I mean, half the time I'm freaking out. Like, half the time I'm, like, resorting to wearing diapers. But they're like, how is this going to happen? <laughs> that you have like how does this work where do you do you buy stuff from ebay and resell it on ebay okay so actually i have an extreme obsession and i'm gonna plug this hard so first of all i used to like buy a lot of new clothes and a lot of it was like i'm not cool enough my clothes have to be cool and that was all built on an inadequacy complex that i have since at least attempted to eradicate from my soul yet in the process, I found out some badass consignment shops because that was how I would sell stuff. So the real real is literally my obsession, as is Cherish. And these are two companies, so Cherish specializes exclusively in furniture, but the real real has like high-end designer stuff. And I don't know how I came across it. I think a friend recommended it to me or was on a Google search. I'm not sure. But like, they'll be like, oh, it's a Chanel blazer for like... $500, and it's like, that's absurd, Kate Fisher, you're never going to wear this, like, this is nutty, but then what I'll do is I'll go in my closet, and I'll be like, all right, I have all of these clothes from my grandmother who passed away, I'm going to sell them online so that I can get this one blazer, so it becomes this, like, amazing process of, like, 
using eBay, selling to the real real, buying on the real real. But my real like mission associated with it is it's all net zero. So it's all reusable fashion. And at some point, I think if I'm, you know, need another job, since obviously telling my story and writing and the dog is just a casual job, um, <laughs> aren't enough, <laughs> I'd start what I used to call reusable cute, which was the idea of eco-fashion, which is like, we have enough fashion in this world, let's just put it to use in a way that's um, green. So I think that's where my environmental science degree is actually gone into my closet ethic. I am obsessed with this. You should actually, you would, you should come down and play because you would actually like, also one of the things that's the craziest about it is because my body has morphed through so many avenues of shape just by way of medication and eating disorder and history and bulimia. Like I literally have everything from a size like double zero to a size 18 and I just have it all. Nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. Wow. Actually, this is a, yeah. a like secret agent life of Kate, a consignment designer eBay seller. <laughs> I know. It's pretty ridiculous. It's pretty silly. It is. It's, it's also something that no one would expect. I think people assume like I could, I mean, cause I really don't actually care, which is one of the reasons why like I'll send you a photo of what Waffle and I are wearing right now, and you'll be like, oh, that's typical. It's like <laughs> spandex, like knee socks, like the weird, just like something that's just like, did you really wear that in downtown? Yeah, of course I did. Um, actually, if I'm honest, one of the things I'm scared is if I, and this I'll just show up at, just showing up, is I'm scared if I dress really well, I lose part of myself and part of what people love about me. And that's just an honest insecurity is like, whoa, what if I am a really well-dressed, like, hot, sexy businesswoman? And, like, I totally know I am one, and yet I feel like when I dress that way, I, I'm betraying part of this unapologetic quality that I'm so proud of. And so that's an interesting tension that I've been thinking a lot about recently. That and I show up as I am, so there you go. I downloaded it. What up, world? That is interesting, but can you not be unapologetically sexy AF? Oh, you totally can. I think it's this interesting thing that I have been so proud of myself for not caring what I wear. Like yesterday I bought takeout and I was wearing my future husband's Crocs, winter (laughs) socks, hot blue pants. Like I had tucked in two sweatshirts to my pants because it was so cold and I was wearing two hats. And I was like, I am so proud that I could walk in downtown Hanover and look like this. Like, this is so cool. And I think part of me is nervous that I would, as soon as I started wearing that, care too much and fall into what used to be a really obsessive quality um, and really was body dysmorphic disorder, was spending, mm-hmm. you know, anywhere from five to ten hours getting dressed. So I looked absolutely perfectly imperfect. Wow. Um, and so I think there's, I'm still towing that line. And yet I'm still in. I'm still nurturing that part of my soul saying I can buy it and I can wear it in my bedroom for five minutes and then I can put it away. And I think at some point I will be confident enough with my recovery and within my kind of capacities to be like, yeah, and now I'm going to bust out that dress. Right, Greg? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's interesting that I've, I've struggled with that too. And it's funny, like, the way that we view clothing in general, fashion in general, and how you can put on or take off parts of your identity based on what you choose to wear in the morning. Yes, yes. I find I have like different personalities and, you know, like 
I'll like today I was wearing a Justin Bieber hoodie and a ripped denim jacket and was very like I don't even know how to describe that look (laughs) and then other days I'm like very hippy dippy I'm wearing like a velvet paisley dress and I feel like a completely different person and I both love that about fashion and I'm intimidated by it Totally. I feel the same way. And I also think it's this very interesting, and I think this actually goes to the post I wrote today, which really speaks to one of my hopes with self-care, is there's a lot of stigma in the mental health community about caring what you look like, as if there's something wrong with that. Mm. (laughs) Yes, there is a problem when you get to these disordered behaviors. Absolutely. And yet it's okay to have fun with your makeup. It's okay to play dress up or be dressed up or love putting on your blazer those are all okay qualities and I think we've gotten to this place of extremism where it's like you have to either be eating donuts all the time and loosey-goosey and lying in bed and like all of the extreme forms and like all sweatpants all the time all tacos and all nachos and all this and and you're like no actually the truth is we have to build a world where what works for an individual is accepted and that's different for every individual and I think one of the things I, especially this, after this past week, have come to realize is what works for me is to be very wellness-oriented. Does that mean I'm going to spew detox teas down your throat? Absolutely not. Does that mean I think anorexia is awesome? Absolutely not. Does that mean I'm trying to invalidate the hardship of any eating disorder or any exercise bulimia? No. Does that mean I think we should all dress up and look like marketing campaigns? No. I'm saying, for me, I need to be more wellness-oriented, and I need this world to accept that. And I think it's this constant spectrum, this constant reality that we all have individuality. We all have different needs, varying versions of self-care, and we all need to be accepting of those. And I think these past few years, I've seen the pendulum swing to just this extremism of, like, we have to go all the way. Mm -hmm. I don't think there is an all the way. I think there is a different thing for everyone. And I'm realizing I need to be more outspoken that for me, fitness is a huge part of managing my anxiety and PTSD. And I need to be thoughtful about the fact that I do have celiac, that I do have literal fecal incontinence when I eat sugar. And yes, I'd love to eat ice cream all the time. I know that's so cool to do and be like, I can eat ice cream all the time for breakfast. And yet when I eat ice cream for breakfast, I have to wear diapers. So I guess I I think there are just, there's so many realities that we don't consider and I think one of the things I'm hoping to work towards within myself is a comfort and a confidence to not be unapologetic the way that other people want me to be unapologetic to actually be the way I am and unapologetic in that regard and that is fancy dresses and dorky outfits that is onesies that are literally like five layers of sweatpants and crocs some days and other days That's me eating vegetables all day because that feels good for my colon. So yeah, my hope for us is to move towards more of that, like, self-care is customized. And it's it's totally fickle. And just like I don't presume to know you, don't presume to know me. And when we meet in the middle, let's meet with kindness and curiosity instead of judgment. Mm Mm-hmm. Can we can uh, we talk about I mean I don't know how much you want to share on the doggest stuff but I'm totally, I'm like personally it. very curious like what is your life going to look like what is it looking like and what are the exciting things that are happening there Well I mean first 
Well, the most exciting thing is it's now socially appropriate at my job to communicate dog memes. So in that regard, I feel like I've arrived. That, I mean, I I think, actually, I mean, I think what was so funny, three years ago, we got Waffle. My parents thought I was actually, I had actually lost it. They threatened to my partner. They were like, I think this is going to put her back in a ward. And it was like, I think she knows what she's doing. And he stood it up and we got Waffle. And um, when I started Waffle Nugget and I was obsessed with social media and like, all I've ever wanted was, like, to be called a professional dog mom. All I've ever wanted. I was like, I just, I want to be a professional dog mom. Like, I think that is the coolest thing. I want to talk about dogs. I want to talk about dog products. I want to talk about what they do for our health. I want to talk about what they do for wellness. I want to talk about how they teach us to be more authentically ourselves. I just, I want to tell stories about dogs. And I used to tell this to my parents and to my college friends, and they'd look at me, and they'd smile, and they'd say, okay, that's a dream. Um... Every time someone doubts you, let it light a fire under your butt, because this is where it got me, and I believe in your ability to do the same. But the dog is is a dream. I mean, it came to me in a way that I still can't even calibrate, to be honest. It came through just Elias offering to tell my story on the doggist. Came up to Vermont, and we just kind of did an interview. We spent two days together chatting. I basically told him he was an idiot for not having a brand. (laughs) 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 And he said, okay, well, what would you do? And I put together a dream. And I put together my dream, to be honest. The story of dogs fueled on social entrepreneurship and giving back to the dogs and the organizations that help the dogs. And he said, okay, do it. And I still can't believe it. Uh, And yet, one of the things that's so powerful about the whole reality is it was all under the guise of of, uh, an interview. So I told him everything. So... Our partnership is actually built on the raw truth and trust that is formulated in unapologetic honesty. So he heard all about the hospitalizations. He heard all about it. And he said, I still choose you. And that, for me, has made it even more of a dream in that I don't feel ashamed whatsoever. I'm just proud to be me. And I'm just proud to kick butt. And I don't have to hide anything. And that's just a level of luxury I never, ever thought I'd have within a career. But my days are cool. I basically reach out to, uh, we're, we're doing a lot of different stuff. We're doing a website build, which by the time this launches will be up. So check it out at thedoggist.com. It's going to have my story. It's going to have Elias' story. And it's going to have some amazing veteran stories, which I am so excited about. And yes, I just did a plug. But guess what? I love my company, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like I used to be asked to do all these plugs, and I just felt so inauthentic about it but now I'm so in love with it that I'm just honored um so we're doing kind of a digital storytelling collective so we love artwork we love stories we love video we love photo and we're just looking to build a community that celebrates and loves dogs the way they love us that's really what we're what we're setting out to do and in the process raise funds for a variety of organizations that give back to this community um for me service dogs are huge huge part of it both in a therapeutic setting as well as for veterans coming home um so I, I do a lot of kind of cultivating narrative reading copy editing that while Elias photographs so that's kind of the digital storytelling component which is so in line with my love of all things narrative based um and then I also do a ton of partnerships partnerships are super fun uh we do do paid partnerships a lot of people are like oh like how do you make money and we do paid partnerships so if you have a brand and you want to reach out you can totally do it we're always down to create content and make meaningful stories happen to share brands that are actually in line with our vision 
Um, so a lot of it is partnership management. And then the rest of it is building out cool initiatives and campaigns and content that speaks to the community. So right now, actually, when this will go live, Elias is driving across country to raise awareness for adoptable pups. So you can follow his journey, and it's this amazing adventure, to be honest, of him just photographing using his incredible art to tell the story of dogs that need a home. And hopefully we'll teach people, you know, you can just walk in and... If you're really ready and you're and you're willing to put your heart into it, have one of these amazing beings that really teaches you love in a way that, that no human even can. And I think for me that's something that's super central to this whole thing is that dogs never let me down. Um, I love humans, don't get me wrong. But I have a lot of trust issues. I have a lot of trust issues. Um, misdiagnosis, uh, shock therapy, a lot of stuff that wasn't, right for me happened to me because of humans, uh, rape, um, all that stuff. And yet no time in my life was there a time when the dog wasn't by my side wagging its tail or licking my face. And Waffle does that daily. Waffle gives me the companionship that I never even dreamed possible. Um, and I'm just hoping to give that, if I can give that to just one person, that level of love um, and meaning in their life, the accessibility of the world, of refinding trust because through waffle i have now found trust in humans um that's the doggest thank you so much for listening to part two of my interview with kate uh she's such a special human hey so if you enjoyed this episode here's some ways that you can show your love you can screenshot this podcast and share it on instagram tag at self-care sunday and at positively.kate you can leave us a five-star review on itunes if you're feeling super generous or you can simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. It would mean so much. And if you want to find other episodes, you can find us obviously on iTunes and at selfcaresunday.co. Happy Self-Care Sunday, everyone.